This morning, I want to talk to you guys about fulfilling your destiny in God. I want to encourage you in your walk of faith, and I also want to encourage you into reaching out and accomplishing everything that God has placed in your heart. I feel that there's a, a lot of people here that uh, may be going through a, a period of transition. Transition is the process of, between, is of being in the middle between one place and another. I just come through a, a season of transition. And transition can be a good thing. Transition, in some ways, can be a negative thing if you don't know that you're in transition. It's good, especially when you know that you're in transition, because you'll be able to reap the benefits of being in transition. God uses this period of time for you guys to, uh, uh, to regain, to be restored, to, uh, uh, for you to... Um, uh, refocus, clear up, your, your, clear up your mind, and just allow you to rest. You know, our lives are so busy. You know, we're going 90 to nothing at all times. And we don't take time out to just give our, our bodies and our spirits a chance to rest. It's okay to rest in God. Now, we don't want to stay in that state, but if we get the proper rest, then we'll be more effective when God calls us to duty. We'll be more effective in our parenting, more effective in our businesses if we can get the proper rest that this body and this spirit needs. Because you guys need it, I need it. And God is there to give us the, 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 the rest that we need. It's very important that you and I learn to take uh, advantage of the seasons that we're in. You know, just like we go through four seasons uh, in a year, we have winter, spring, summer, and fall. Well, you have different seasons in life. And you have to learn how to maximize those seasons. Sometimes you're in a season where you're, you're, you're learning and you're growing. Sometimes you're in a season where you're pruning and you're cutting back. Sometimes you're in a season that you just need to rest. Then sometimes you're in a season where you're running 90 to nothing. It's very important that we're able to notice and flow, excuse me, and flow in the seasons of life at God, as God leads us through. Because he's taken us someplace. Our God is a purpose God. Everything that he does, it has a purpose to it. Before we start, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, Lord God, for this wonderful day, this wonderful opportunity to come into your house, to spend time with you, Lord God, and to come with these great men and women to worship on one accord, to lift you up, Lord God, and to draw closer to you. Father, we ask that you would bless us, Lord God, with a fresh anointing, an anointing that will refresh us, Lord God, and give us the strength and the healing that we need. Father, we're asking that you would open up our spirits today, that we may be able to hear from you, to hear what you are speaking to us corporately and individually. Father, we thank you for everything that you do in our lives. I pray, Heavenly Father, you'd help these men and women to understand where they are in you. Lord God, that they could be able to lean on you, to come to you, Lord God, with an open heart, to share what they're dealing with, Lord God. 
And Father, that you would lead them and walk them through this exciting adventure that we call life. I thank you, Lord God, for everything that you're doing. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You'll turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. We'll begin to read in the 11th verse. Guys, don't laugh at me. I have to pull my eyes out this morning. (laughs) And it reads, And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Today I'm going to be speaking to you from the life of David. David is one of, the, uh, one of my favorite guys in the Bible that I like to study. I like to study his life. A lot of his life, I find myself going through some of the same situations. You know, guys, is when we're going through life, the Lord brings tests and trials in our lives. And when we're taking tests, the Lord is quiet. When you take a test at school, the teacher is quiet. Number two, when you take a test or you go through a test in God, God picks the circumstances and the things that you go through. Because he knows exactly what you need. One great thing that I love about the test of God And this is the third point I want to make, and I want you guys to remember. At every test that you take in God is an open book test. You have the manual right here to pass every test that you take. It's in there. And as I was going through the test in my life, I'd go to David and I'd find my answer there. Or I, I might go sometimes to maybe uh, Joseph, but for the most part, I find a lot of my answers in studying the life of David. David was a great man of God, a great man of valor, a king, the man who God said that this is a man after my own heart. David loved God and the people of God. Now, the first time that we hear of David's name is at his ordination ceremony. What a way to be introduced. That beats any red carpet introduction ever. 
You're introduced, man, at, at, at your ordination. God himself is anointing you to be the next king of Israel. Now, just to go back a little bit to kind of fill you guys in, Saul was the first king of Israel. And Saul was basically the man that the children of Israel had picked. And they picked him because he was a man of great stature. He was a man of great, uh, 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 he was smart. He was very intelligent, okay? He was a man of intelligence. But Saul had some character flaws. Saul was greedy. Saul was after his own way instead of what God wanted. So after a continual uh, disobedient, acts of disobedience, God rejected Saul as king. And he told Samuel to go and anoint David because David was a man that was after his heart. David was a man that wanted to uh, fulfill the very plans of God. As children of God, me and you have to have that same desire. We must be able to put God's purposes, his plans above our own. You know, in the little time I was talking to Bishop yesterday, you know, he, was, he told me, I, I asked him what he was speaking on today, and he told me that he would be speaking on investments, making investments uh, in the kingdom of God, making investments in your own life, and then making investments in the lives of others. And as he was saying, uh, talking about his life, he was saying, you know, my life is a seed. And he said that as I give my life to Christ, then the life that I would have normally have lived is now dead. And then I take upon the life that God has for me. Now, I've heard Bishop preach this before. But you know, sometimes God can speak to you and give you the exact thing that you need to hear so that you can refocus. So I hope that that will help you guys refocus, realign up with God, and continue to reach out and accomplish everything he places in your heart. Now, once again, back to David. David's at the, his ordination. Now, this is a, David at this time was about 16, 17 years old. David's father was a farmer. He had a few sheep, a few goats, and David's chores were to tend and to watch over the family animals, the farm animals. David had no military background. David had no experience of being a king. David didn't grow up in the palace. But yet and still, he was still God's man. And I say this, no matter where you come from, no matter what you think you do not have, if God is calling you to fulfill a specific purpose, you are more than able to accomplish it. See, we have to remember that God formed us. Before you and I was a, a, uh, an idea in our parents' mind, God knew us. He had a relationship with us. He knows what he created you for. 
what you're capable of, what gifts and talents that he placed on the inside of you. He knows everything about you. See, we think that we live through life or we go through life and that it's because of uh, our, our upbringing, because of our background, uh, where we came from, because of the education that we received, that we'll either end up on this side of the track or on that side of the track, doing great things for God or living in obscurity. The fact of the matter is that he created you for a specific purpose. He placed you in the situations that you need in order for you guys to grow, in order for you guys to learn, in order for you to be stretched, in order for you to, to, to form that character that you're going to need that you'll be able, so that you'll be able to stand in the anointing that he's placed over your life, so that you'll be able to walk in that purpose. He's already set it up, and he set it in motion. And we, as people, we have to learn to walk through and get everything. Stop murmuring, stop complaining, but be able to look with eyes of observation. Be able to look in the spirit and be able to see what is God doing in my life. You know, sometimes life can be stagnant or it seems to be stagnant. Nothing's going on, nothing's moving, nothing good is happening in my life. In times like that, I like to take a step back and look and just see what God is doing. I go back to a, a time period in my life, and then I kind of trace my steps. And I follow my steps back up to where I am now, and it gives me an idea of what God did back then and what he's bringing me to right now. Then I'm able to see and follow and be able to maximize everything in that season. Because everything that he does is good. God doesn't waste time in your life. He's accomplishing something through everything that you face. Every trial, every mountaintop, every valley low. He's accomplishing things in your life. And I want to just look at some of the things that David went through so that you can see along with me how God was leading this young man through and getting him to the place where he needs to be. Now the next time we see David We see him at a place what I like to call the strategic place. The strategic, strategic place. And what I mean by that is after David was anointed to be the next king, you're looking at a kid, like I said, that came from a farmer's household who had no ties, no relationship to anything that was to, or to anyone that was inside of the king's palace. No way to get there. I'm anointed to be king. I'm anointed to be president. I'm anointed to be this great businessman or this great businesswoman. But now how do I get there? 
How do I get there? Men and, men and women of God, remember this. It is not your responsibility to get you to the place that God has for you. That's his responsibility. Your responsibility is character building. That's one of your responsibilities. Working on the person that I am. Once again, who I am, my character, is either going to hold me in that position and help me to stay, help me to be productive, or if I don't have the right and proper character, I'll lose that which God has given me. So you need to be working on building your character. Number two, we need to be maturing, refining our spiritual gifting, natural talents. You guys need to, whatever God has given you, he's given you a blessing. He's given you something to work with. We need to be maturing that. We need to be getting better and better and better at that. Because God will use that to get you to that place. And then last, our relationships. We need to make sure that we are working on our relationships. You know, God has placed you and I in some covenant relationships, some relationships that we need to con continue to build upon because he uses our relationships to move us through life, to get us from plan A to, par to plan from part A to part B, from here to there. This is what he did in David's life. So after Saul was rejected as king, the word of God said that the spirit of God was removed from Saul's life. Saul no longer had the Holy Spirit in his life. No longer did he have the Spirit of God helping him and aiding him. And the Word of God says that a distressing spirit overtook Saul. The men in Saul's uh, cabinet noticed that there was something different about Saul. They noticed that there was a spirit, that there was a, a darkening spirit in his life that was distressing him. So they made the, the, the observation and the recommendation of going out and seeking someone that was skillful in playing of music. And so they found David. David was a, a, a skilled harp player. And God used that talent to get him into the palace. See how important it is that we, to, uh, for us to, 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 to horn down and, and, and to, uh, to find our gifts and talent? It was that gift that God, that in David's life, that God used to get him to the place that he needed to be in order for him to begin to be trained, to, be, to begin to, uh, uh, to learn how to become king. That's powerful. You know, I've seen God do this strategic move in, in several lives uh, when looking in the Bible. He did it in the life, uh, in the life of uh, 
of Moses. How he took Moses and had his sister place him in a basket and had his sister go down where the, the, the daughter of, uh, I mean, the sister of Pharaoh and, and, and had uh, uh, his, his sister push him toward where they were uh, bathing. And this woman found Moses and she took him in as her own son. And not only that, but she took him in as his son and sought out for someone to nurse the youngster, to nurse uh, Moses. Moses stayed with his biological mother for the next two years. For the next two years, God put Moses right back with his, with his mom so that his mom could instill to him, nurture him in the way that he needed to be brought up. Not only that, but she got paid to nurse her own son. There was provision in that. That's how powerful God is. So don't ever complain about what you didn't have, what you don't have. Start looking to God and seeing what he could use to get you to the place that you need to be in order for you to get in that strategic place where you can become the man or the woman that God has called you to be. It's very, very important that we get to that place where God can truly pull out what he's placed in. It's our responsibility to work with God and to help this thing mature so that when we get there, we are a blessing to others. That's why you and I have these spiritual giftings. That's why the body of Christ exists. You know, the Bible says that he gave one to be a prophet, one to be an apostle, one to be a pastor, one to be a teacher, one to be an evangelist. And he gave these gifts to you and I for the edification or the edifying of the body, for the building and the strengthening of the body of Christ. This is why the gifts are given. This is why God uses me and you to uh, uh, continue to spread the good news, to continue to advance the kingdom of God so that lives would be saved, so that lives would be blessed here on earth, so that this nation and others would know that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of all and that salvation is available to every man and woman who chooses. This is our purpose. This is our purpose. This was the purpose of getting David into the palace. So that what was in him, the heart that he had for God, the zeal that he had for worshiping, the zeal that he had for being in the presence, the zeal that he had of becoming more like God would be passed down to the people. So that you and I would resemble Christ more and more. This was the reason. Now, now that God has him in the palace, 
now that he's being groomed to become the next king. David is advancing. David is being uh, 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 productive. And because of his productivity, he's beginning, his reputation with the people have begin, it has begun to grow. People notice that there is something different about this young man. They notice that his character, of, uh, his, his personality, you know, he didn't, he didn't come from this place. He didn't come from, but he acts and he conducts his, the Bible said that he conducted himself wisely. Everything that David did in the palace was productive. It brought forth fruit. It was a blessing to the whole nation of Israel. When the anointing is on your life, it can't help but produce good things, not only in your life, but in the lives of others. That's why you and I, we need the anointing of God. And we need to, uh, uh, to hold that uh, uh, more and uh, value that more than silver and gold. Because the anointing of God is what changes the lives of people and also your circumstance. It has an effect on everything that you do. Because of his anointing, Saul was relieved from this distressing spirit. When David began to play, because of his anointing, that distressing spirit had to leave because the spirit and the presence of God would fill the room. It would fill the palace. You can't be in the presence of God and not be affected. It'll change you. The Word of God said that, that, that there was a time that men and women stepped into the presence of God and they began to prophesy. Not that they were already prophets. Not that they were, they were already men and women that were, that were skilled in that. But just in the presence of God, they were able to do things beyond their natural capability. You know, we're, we're, we're good by ourselves. We're good with our own natural ability. But when there's an anointing on that, when there's anointing on that, we become supernatural. Supernatural. Because God is able to do exceeding abundant things in the lives of others because we have taken the time. See, it costs you something to receive an anointing on your life. It costs you uh, 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 being set apart from some things. It costs you time. It costs you effort. It costs you chasing after some childhood dreams. But it's well worth it. It's well worth it. It'll change your heart. It'll change your, your, your mentality on how you view life and how you see life. And then it'll have an effect on everything and everywhere you go. In your neighborhood, you have the power to change your neighborhood because of the anointing that is on your life. Everything that you do, everything that you do can have an eternal effect in the lives of others when the anointing of God is on your life.
Spend more time in his presence. Spend more time receiving from God. Spend more time learning the Word of God so that you'll have the Word of God on the inside because the Word of God on the inside and the Spirit will produce things in your life, cause you to be blessed beyond your imagination. Now, back to old David. He's in the, he's in the palace. Everything's going his way. Now, there's the, what I like to call the setup. The setup. And that is, that's the showdown between David and Goliath. Here we have the armies of the children of God faced off against the armies of the Philistine. Now, the Philistine people was a pagan people, people who worshiped pagan gods. And on the, 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 the Philistine army, there was a giant whose name was Goliath. And I know that you, most of you guys, you know the story of David and Goliath. So I don't want to focus on the actual fight that they had. I want to focus on the victory that was won. The victory on that day that was won. Basically, guys, that fight, that war, was basically the God of Israel against the God of the Philistine. And you know as well as I do that there is no other God than the God that we serve. Who is the, who was the, who is the God of the children of Israel? So, we, are, we were already at an advantage. As the psalmist says, there is no one like you. You have no rival. You have no equal. No matter how big that army seems, no matter how big Goliath was, Goliath and the children of uh, 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 the people of, uh, of, of the Philistines had no chance on winning that fight. Simply because Israel was fighting the fight. David had took upon it himself to fight this fight, to go out there and to defeat this giant. Not because he wanted praise. Not because he wanted the, the, the money that was connected to his victory, not because he wanted the young lady that was connected to his victory, but David went out to defeat Goliath because Goliath had defied God himself. Goliath said that if I win, then all of your people will have to serve me. Basically, Goliath is God in whom he worshiped, was speaking through Goliath and saying these things about the children of Israel, that this, I am the champion. My God is greater than your God. Look at me. I am a man of war since my youth. There is nothing that you have, nothing that you possess that could come against and destroy me. David, on the other hand, was probably three times smaller than Goliath. A teenager, 
who has gone against a man of war from his youth, a man that has been taught, a man that is skilled in the art of war. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but unless that anointing was on me, I probably would have been in a tent shaking like Saul. Because that's where the king was. The king at that time, he was in the tent. And he was scared. And the reason why he was scared, because he had lost the very thing that he needed. That was the presence of God. The spirit of God. The anointing of God. The thing that had brought him victory after victory after victory, he had lost. Simply because he had got too big within himself. Kind of reminds you of another guy named Samson who was just too big within himself. He forgot that it was only through the anointing of God that he was able to defeat and do the very things that he was able to do. Only through the anointing he was able to do this thing. Only through the anointing can you, you and I do the work of God. Only through the anointing can you and I make an eternal uh, effect in the lives of people through the anointing of God. You need the anointing of God active in your life, flowing in your life. Because as you are being used under that anointing, that anointing is being released into the lives of others. And it flows. And it flows. So here we have David, who has the anointing of God. And there was no fear in that young man at all. We had champion after champion after champion. Men in the, in the, in the, in the armies of Israel who had won victory after victory after victory. And they were all shaking in their boots. David was set up for this time. This was the time that God would show the people of Israel that there was a man of God in their midst. There was a man of God who was worthy to be king. There was a man of God who was still functioning in the spirit of God. So it was a setup for David. It was a setup for David and it was a setup for the, for the children of Israel. And it was the downfall for the people of, uh, of the Philistine. And you all know how the story goes. David cut the head off of Goliath. And after he cut the head off of Goliath, David's reputation blew up. It blew up. And after his reputation had blown up, after all the people in the land was shouting and, ch and chanting David's name, Saul became jealous. He became jealous. He became so jealous to the point that he tried to kill David on numerous of times. But that's just one thing about the anointing of God. It protects. It keeps you out of trouble. When things in your life 
should have taken you out, when things in your life should have destroyed you, when things in your life should have destroyed your marriage, when things in your life should have taken you out with terminal cancer, the anointing of God is there to protect, to preserve, and to heal you. No matter what Saul did, he couldn't kill David. It was so strong, his anoint, David's anointing was so strong that even the house of Saul, his own children, had connected and had great relationships with David because they saw the heart of David. They saw that truly God's hand was on this young man. They saw it so clearly that even the eldest, who was Jonathan, him and David were the best of friends. I hadn't seen a relationship like that no other place in the Bible other than the relationships between Christ and us. But these two young men had a relationship so much to where Jonathan had taken off his robe. And that was a prophetic gesture of taking, uh, 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 of giving his position over as becoming the next king to David because he recognized that this was God's next king. And we all know that David, later on, he became the next king of Israel. But it was through many, many trials, many, many hardships that, that David had to run. David was was in so, such distress that he was, in, in cave, he was living in caves to protect himself. But David remained and kept his character. And because of his character, David was able to receive the very gift, the destiny, the purpose that God had for him. I'd love to see each and every one of you reach your purpose in God. Not only reach it, but I'd love to see you guys continue in it, fulfill every day that God has for you in that purpose. But there are some things that we have to do in order for us to obtain that. Once again, you must remain holy unto God. See, we are a people of God, and we must have the character of God. We must demonstrate the love of God at all times. We must not forget that the world lives by different principles than us. We have to live and conduct our business in godly principle. What the Word of God says is what I do. When I want to get mad or when I want to go off on somebody at, at, at the job, I have to remember that the Bible says that you overcome evil with good. You must remember that I have to treat my neighbor my coworker, 
my enemies as I would have others treat me. It's the small things, guys, that trip us up. We know to avoid the big things, but it's the small things. It's those small character flaws that gets us in trouble. Remain holy. Number two, remain obedient. It was disobedience that caused Saul to lose his kingship. The Bible says, Samuel, Samuel told Saul, God wanted you to complete and live out your life as the king of Israel from the day that he anointed you. That was God's plan for you, Saul. But because of your deliberate disobedience, it was taken from you. Men and women of God, be obedient unto God. If you make a mistake, it's a mistake. God has forgiveness for that. But continual disobedience? I'll cause you trouble. Cause you to miss out on that very thing that you so wanted. But there is redemption. There is forgiveness in the house of God when you and I make mistakes. And we humbly come before the king and we ask for forgiveness. There is forgiveness for that. So I pray that when you make that mistake, or when you do those things that you shouldn't do, that you humble yourself before God and you seek forgiveness, because God will restore you. He says that if you confess those sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He's able to restore you. He's able to breathe on you the breath of life once again if you'll just be honest and open with him. See, Saul was prideful. He was arrogant. And then he tried to lie his way out of it. You and I both know you cannot lie. God knows everything. He knows your heart better than you know it. So we need to learn to give that thing that's hurting us. Give that thing that we're wrestling with. Give that thing that is controlling us. We need to learn to give that unto God and to have God give us the strength to overcome that. Because the things that hold you captive can also be turned around and God use those things as your stepping stone to get you to the place that he has for you. But it's up to us to humble ourselves and to seek forgiveness. Before I close, I want to read this scripture to you. It's found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. Let me get my eyes again. And it reads, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, 
always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. That good work in you that God has begun, he will complete. He will produce that godly character that you and I deserve and desire. I just want to encourage you to keep following after the purpose of God in your life. Never give up on yourself. Never give up on yourself. Don't let no one else count you out. Wait to hear that from God. That's his decision, not your neighbor's. Not your friends, nor your parents. That's his decision. Never give up. Never give up on God because he's always on your side. You know, when I was a kid, I was brought up in a, in, a, in a very religious atmosphere. And my view of God was not the view that I have now. My view of God back then, that God was always angry at his people. That was the view that I had as I grew up. But when I became to know God, it was totally opposite. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to walk around with a smile on your face filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. That is the very mind and will and heart of God for you and I, that we be blessed above all things, that we would prosper in life. That is the very will of God. And whatever it is that you need from God, God is more than able, more than able to provide. If he can get this 16-year-old kid into the palace, he can get you wherever you need to be. Our God is not too short, not too small, not too big, not too great to meet you where you are, to help you through any circumstance or anything that you face. Our God is here, and he's here for you. He's here for you. He's here to help me out with all of my shortcomings with all of my bad habits. With everything that I face, he's here to help. 